0: This is a non-standard torty talk brought to you by the dustman outside and uh, myself desperately trying to get stuff done before I go off and do a live television debate late tonight. And these are my thoughts and uh, you're welcome to them. The difference in my life between now, me as an adult, and me as um, a, a child, I suppose, as a, as a, an early emerging adult, is so dramatic as to warrant this missive to the world. The fact that I can do these is one of the ludicrous aspects of life that um, has made me wish to make this uh, commentary. I was just sitting in a chair and uh, the idea came to me that life is too weird to go unremarked and I took my phone from my pocket and started recording and moved to another chair and positioned my pop screen in front of the microphone. Um, None of that was even faintly imaginable throughout my adult life, up until about ten years ago. And for me, it wasn't imaginable up until about a year ago. Uh, I'm technologically adept, informed, up with it. I teach the subject. I've, I've written about the subject for decades. I've uh, invented aspects of uh, of, the, of the subject. Fortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, the world hasn't noticed this fact and I am not renowned as a, a great uh, implementer or instigator of these things. But nonetheless, I, like many, many other people who started just working in their bedrooms, have had a profound impact on the world as we know it today. Uh, well, the world as we ignore it today... I think we ought to pay attention. we ought to notice the extraordinary nature of the power that is at our fingertips and and not just blithely use it and um, move on having not registered at all the, the 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 magic of the whole process. Yes, I know if you listen to any of these podcasts, I keep going on about this, but today is a slightly special one for me I think. I must first go back to 1992 when I first stood as a Green Party candidate uh, in the general election. I think it was 92. I'm not good with numbers. And I was up against Kenneth Clark, who was at the time Chancellor of the Exchequer. Well, at least had been. Of course, he wasn't then, because it was a general election time. He got re-elected and became the Health Minister. I think it was that way around. Anyway, I was ostensibly on the same level as him. I was literally on the same level as him on on the podium at the Hustings. And I had been, shall we say, somewhat worried that I might not show myself to my best in front of the person who was leader of the House of Commons at the time, was Chancellor of the Exchequer, one inch from being Prime Minister, and I was an absolute no-ran, except I was running. This was a, a crushing experience rather than an uplifting one. And I did not know how to cope with it. Uh, so some of the time I laughed. Beforehand I laughed. I, I remember before we went on to the, uh, the, the, the platform, um, I was sitting between Kenneth Clark and his uh, chief political uh, advisor, who resembled a very large sparrow, as I remember him in my... Uh, fogged, distant dreams who just sat there lurking, perching, glowering and um, it, it was so clearly an attempt to put me off my guard, to knock me off my stride that oh, that I didn't have that I could barely restrain myself from bursting into fits of laughter. It was so... Uh, there is a word that means ludicrously dramatic and at the moment I can't bring it to mind but that's what it was it was overplayed it was crass it was comic and very, very nearly absolutely terrifying but I went on the comic side rather than the terrifying side somehow or another by sort of cutting myself off from reality completely, I made it onto the uh, the Hustings platform. And then I had another major shock that I could not believe what I was looking at. Because on my side of the podium, uh, there were four of us. The uh, master of ceremonies sat between me and uh, Kenneth Clark. Um... In front of me, on my side, were three rows of blue rinsed 60 uh, <laughs> year old women. The sort you would expect to see in colour in a Monty Python joke. Um, I, I could not believe it. They were blue rinse conservatives who had been positioned precisely on my side. <laughs> My supporters were right at the very very back of the of of the uh, of, of the quite large hall, and um they could neither see nor hear me. I would have thought this was just an extraordinary experience um I answered my questions fairly reasonably and i i followed the timings. And um, Ken Clark did not follow the timings. He just rambled on. <laughs> he was God. I mean, why on earth would he bother with such things as the niceties of the rules we were supposed to be governed by? Uh, <laughs> hmm. At the end, though, he had uh, the considerable decency, and he was considerably decent uh, um, throughout. On the several occasions I, I had contact with him to hang around and listen to me ask him to please consider the possibility that you may be wrong. I did not know that I was misquoting, but he sort of... <sighs> he, he was rocking backwards and forwards on his feet trying to get out of the building fast, um, but he had the decency to hang around long enough, and I got a sneaking suspicion that he it may have registered in in some way. I mean, that's that's the only um, sort of hope that I have that anything that I did that day had any positive impact whatsoever. I, I got over a thousand votes, I think, or at least something around a thousand votes. Uh, he got something in the region of twenty-seven or thirty-five thousand. Uh, <laughs> I did not come last. I did not come last. I beat the um, the National Front type, um, UKIP type, whatever person who was running at the time, Matthew Faithful, I think his name was. Yes, I knew his name was. Anyway, I beat him, <laughs> and um, I was very pleased about that. <laughs> But that was that was the uh, the only absolute ne- uh, uh, positive that I, I I could tell came out of that. I took six months to come out of the depression that fell upon me after um, my <laughs> crushing lack of victory, because um, <laughs> I I just I how on earth could I possibly at all have put myself in a position. Of uh, even vaguely considering, let alone absolutely going through with an attempt to unseat somebody who'd been in power since nineteen seventy-two, um, and he's still in power now. Uh, well, <laughs> elected, he, he's going to retire in a minute. But but I had tried. I did try. It was um, absolutely um, um, life. C- crushing, affirming you can do both at once in a, in a weird way. It, it's um, it, it, life-marking, most definitely experience, and um, I managed to uh, get out of it when I uh, spoke to the editor of the uh, um uh, the 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 environmental magazine, um, the Ecologist, I, I think it was. It's uh, Satish Kumar. Um, and uh, saw him, and he made me feel considerably better. I can't remember what he said, but he just sort of radiated betterness, and I absorbed it. There was a television programme shortly after the election, and I went and appeared in it. The, the uh, name of the show, uh, it was hosted by Julian Pettifer. It was a bite-back um, episode. And um, the reason for me being there was that I had stood as a parliamentary candidate for the Green Party, and the question was, do you feel you have been betrayed by the Conservatives? Well, I had been a Conservative; I had voted for um, um, the, you know, the the. Um, the Oh, I, I, on the tip of my tongue, mm, yeah. first female Prime Minister, that one, yes, you remember. Anyway, I had voted for her and um, I did feel somewhat betrayed, shall we say, uh, because I had realised that my idea of what conservatism was, was the saving of things rather than the preservation of the status quo. To save things in a continually changing world, you have to continually change yourself in order to protect that which you love. The conservatism that I saw back then was one where just sticking to your guns come hell or high water, uh, both of which are about to hit us. Um, (laughs) I'm being partially metaphorical there only. Um, Is to be a bizarrely undemocratic and insensitive and unsensible way of of behaving under any circumstance. Um, anyway, more of that in a moment. But uh, this television programme, I had the opportunity to say... Uh, on the second attempt, after the mad woman talking about dogs, uh, made we had to have a second take of the the, uh, the second half of the show. <laughs> the um, my my point was that what does we as a party have to do in order to be considered to not be a fringe party? And the BBC's chief political correspondent, John Sargent, at the time, answered to my memory, that we would have to wait about 60 years, which is how long it took the Labour Party to spring from its earliest uh, uh, sapling into its massive tree-like power over the world that it sort of ought to hold today, but doesn't. Um, And, uh, well, that was some 30 years ago. Uh, My maths, as I pointed out, is, is not great. I don't think we've got another 30 to wait. Now, my memory, as I have now pointed out, I think, three times, is not of the greatest. And I was astonished when I discovered on YouTube that very television programme still exists. It's uh, one that was actually um, uh, saved for uh, internet posterity by the fact that the first half covered the BBC's coverage of that general election. And uh, people who appeared in it saved the programme and posted the entire thing online, I think. Um, I had, in the past, worked on um, um, uh, political programmes myself because I'd worked in the BBC for... uh, 10 or 12 years or something. Um, and my father had worked on, uh, on uh, general election programmes before. But, uh, so I, I, I was quite happy that both were saved. But to see my own section again surprised me. Not the least for the length of my hair, which I now recognise was a disadvantage. I had one letter when i stood and it was from a constituent who who said that, that i would not be taken seriously with more than shoulder length hair um sadly he was right but um i wasn't going to sh- cut my hair off as just to placate the uh, the, the voting public uh, maybe i ought to have done but i didn't uh, I don't think I would have won a large number more votes, because I don't think a large number of people would have noticed my hair. Oh, mark, it, mark, you, it was fairly visible in my uh, in my election leaflet. Mm, leaflet. Piece of uh, rectangular paper. But anyway, further, my memory of John Sargent's answer is more a retelling of the previous memory of John Sargent's answer. He can't actually remember precisely what he said, even though I have watched that clip many times. I sort of skip over his answer, whatever it was, which is weird. I don't understand how I can't remember something as important as that. I think my reason for not remembering was that it was important to me that I had an answer, but the answer itself was not important. Because he, as a member of the BBC, said, we do our best, we go for balance, Uh, we reflect the general opinion of the public. My point was, you create the general opinion of the public. Um, but uh, all I could talk about was you behave, uh, uh, give us the same coverage as a skateboarding duck, as in only when we do something that looks stupid will you make any comment of us. Well, that has changed somewhat since then. I stood again against Kenneth Clark in the uh, in Rushcliffe constituency in Nottinghamshire in two thousand and five. I think it was. Now, that was considerably a long time ago as well. And Ken remembered me. Wife and I went and had sherry with him (laughs) beforehand. And um, his his large uh, um, sparrow-like attendant was not in presence. It was a far uh, more uh, cheery uh, (laughs) experience. I can't remember any of the questions. Except I sat next to him this time, and again I beat the um, the uh, resurgent right, um, and and again I gave about a thousand people the chance to, uh, to 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 vote for the uh, for, for, for the Greens. You know, it's a it's a good idea. I don't think I said anything pithy or in in any way uh, accidentally misremembered from the past to him that time, but. He was, uh, again, extremely generous, and um, I, I still like him. Although he could come out with things which flawed me completely. On the, f- the, the, the first event, he was talking about people having chosen to sleep in cardboard boxes on the streets because it was a lifestyle choice. Yes, he seriously said that. He was quoting, I suspect or citing uh, the occasions when a person who is mentally ill, who has been destroyed by uh, the, the lack of support from the world, um, gets to the point where he finds it impossible to um, re- react instantly that um, the world decides to pay attention to him in the way the world wishes him to act, and so thinks, I can't cope with this, I'm going back on the streets. And so Ken thinks that that is his lifestyle choice. I, You know, well, uh, that does rather sort of bend the mind. But how could he hold that view when the description of that that I just gave is so clear? And why did I not give that description on the Hustings? I was struck dumb. I was not allowed to interrupt him. You aren't allowed to do that, you know. I wish I had. I should have done. I've, I've, I've learned better now. Uh, I uh, appear every so often on uh, Jeremy Vine shows in the morning, and um, uh, <laughs> I keep getting asked back, and I continually either put my hand up or say something fairly loud so as to get noticed and I get a piece and get my chance to say something now because I'm an actor I'm on various bits of uh, pieces of paper that sort of come through electronically and I and I am um, I've, I've got uh, an opportunity to uh, be on the Jeremy Vine show again tonight it's live It is a special show all about the trust we can put in democratic elected leaders. And, of course, I can say I don't have any. I don't know what I'm going to say because I don't know what questions are going to be asked. I don't know the format of the show. I don't know the studio. I just know Jeremy Vine will be there and he knows me. Because I've seen him multiple occasions and, uh, uh, and um, he, he I, I think, thinks of me as being an, an eloquent and interesting person to, uh, to pick up because he, he does single me out from the audience and ask me to say something or give me the opportunity to. Uh, he makes fun of me if he can, but uh, also uh, supports my points if he likes them. What is going to happen tonight? What am I going to say tonight? This is a, a shocking situation to be in. It's almost as bad as the first time I shared the podium with um, with Kenneth Clark. I don't know what to expect. I'm, well, I don't know how many decades older now. I have spoken in public multiple times. I've stood on platforms multiple times. I've become a lecturer. I've become a a uh, a uh, uh, a podcaster uh, and an actor, as in I've 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 done things which uh, which uh, pay me. Therefore, I'm a professional actor <laughs> by that definition, and um, and here I am somehow or another using technologies. I can get back to that. You see, you know, it's, a, it's a nice circular argument. Um, that did not exist in those dark distant days to tell the world what I probably will fail to be able to say tonight and have an opportunity to, to elaborate on what I might get wrong tonight if I say anything at all. And um, I, I uh, this is a weird world and I don't understand it. And I think my big point is that... We individuals, we normal people, we people who vote for leaders, expect our leaders to have the answers we do not. We expect our leaders to be able to understand the subject matter, to be able to take in that information, to process it, to know where to get that information from, And come to conclusions that we would do if we had spent our entire lives, our entire working lives, studying those subjects and come to the conclusions we would agree with. Because that's their job. Our job is to do whatever we do to, to earn money to stay alive. Their job is to represent our views and our opinions from our standpoint. I do not believe they do that anymore. I'm never absolutely sure that they could, which is why I stood myself. Because I know that I know how I feel about things. And I chose the Green Party because when I looked at their uh, manifesto, astonishingly it matched what I found in my head. It was there. I would say my heart for that sounds too pretentious. But that was what it was. It just chimed correctly with my feeling about what the world is... ...or what the world should be... ...and how we can get from where we are to where we could be. And I think... I I should not be able to do this... ...because these bosses, these demigods, these elected representatives... Must have a higher IQ, must have greater intellect, greater education, greater capabilities on all fronts than I could possibly imagine to be able to be in a position of such incredible responsibility. And when I look, I see they don't. And that distresses me to the depth of my being. Because how can you have any faith in a government that every time it opens its mouth says something that you can see is either factually inaccurate or utterly stupid? I see for a long time I felt that they were saying these things because they knew more than us. There were other considerations to take into account, that from the perspective of the high ground, being able to see the entirety of us of, of of the circumstances that were affecting these things, they and you indeed, if you were there yourself and had the time to study it as they could, you would come to the same conclusion, albeit Contrary to the position you currently hold, you would and so forth and so on and so on. But no I have spent a considerable time looking from that high ground, and I see they're just basically in it for their own position their own personal gain, their own personal gratitude. They're professional actors they should not be. They should be like I was before I became a professional actor, (laughs) which I shall stop being now I've got a proper job. I don't know what I'm going to say tonight. I don't know that I'll get the opportunity to say. I might even not get let into the studio because the last time I was on, um, I said I was a member of the Green Party and I was taken aside afterwards and asked if I was a paid member of the Green Party, if I held any position within the Green Party. I am not and I don't. But uh, we shall see. We shall see. I don't know if it's the same director. Um, I I know that it's it's, uh, it's Jeremy Vine. Uh, he's he's a, a a person perfectly reasonable, and he's um, he's a green well environmental sympathizer. From what he has said alive on the shows, I do not care who gets elected. I care about what they do once they have been elected. That is the big point I want to get across. If I'm questioned on on my political leanings and possible personal aspirations, um, oh dear. You know, I I I think I've said that, but I I feel I feel I've um, um, not so much exhausted what I have to say, but as made myself feel better having said something because I need to prepare my brain and my tongue somewhat to be able to come up with, with with the answers on the fly for questions that I can't imagine without any background information to go on. I spoke to a good friend of mine yesterday who told me that well, in the past he told me that I would not do well as a member of um, um, the uh, C- uh, civil service, uh, because as a member of the civil service, you have to be able to take on huge amounts of information and digest it very, very quickly and come up with answers extremely fast. Be able to take a grasp of your portfolio, was the phrase he used. Now, he told me that about 30 years ago. Last night, he said he did not believe... That people currently holding ministerial positions grasp their portfolio, they cannot do it. They do not do it. They pay more attention to their political advisers rather than their civil service advisers. In terms of uh, in in terms of yes, minister, they listen more to Humph. Uh, they do listen to Sir Humphrey, despite his cajoling. He's sort of out of the way. They listen more to their political advisers. I think his, his name was Smiley or Smelly or something in, in, in um, the Humphrey Appleby world. But in the um, thick of it world, there is no Sir Humphrey at all, is there? It's set in a different part. It's in a, in a different world. The the, um, the, the 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 government these days runs, it appears, on political party lines only, and not in the best interests of the country, either now or in the future. And that distresses me, and I think that is what I'm going to say tonight. Let's see. I have just been watching today's morning version of The Jeremy Vine Show, which uh, Connie Huck and a woman whose name I do not know. uh, have been arguing with a bloke who I've argued with when I've been on the show myself. Um, I am proud to be associated with this show, and uh, I am greatly heartened by uh, the possibility that uh, people would agree with anything that I might say, should I manage to get myself together sufficiently to be able to say anything this evening. I'm just saying this now at uh, three minutes to 10 in the morning (laughs) while the uh, uh, while the show uh, uh has stopped being live now, uh, I think uh I think we're going into the pre-recorded part now, which will be a lot quieter and easier for people to watch. I don't know if they argued before the show went out, as in because uh, the show's recorded in is is half recorded and half live. The uh the live bit obviously goes out live, but the pre-recorded bit is recorded before the live bit. So that he can get out, and so they can get the studio reset for later. Um, and uh, the, it's um, I I I think I think the show is uh, is is now entering the pre-recorded uh, stage. Not particularly relevant unless uh, you're you're actually on the show. But when uh, you stop being able to phone in, uh, that's when it's pre-recorded. Uh, but pre-recorded before that process. So, every so often, uh, I <laughs> there, there are uh, accidental references backwards chronologically to events which haven't yet been transmitted. For example, when I was uh, doing a thing about the proms, uh, Mr Vine said, and where's our proms bloke? And he hadn't seen me yet in the uh, the timeline of the actual transmitted show, which is a bit humorous, but there we are. Ah, dear. Oh, dear. tension. The tension has not been made any better by the arguments live on the screen just now. It's really, really powerful stuff. I've never seen a more powerful uh, debate or indeed shouting match. And Jeremy Vine handled it brilliantly and um, so did the contestants on the panel. Uh, at least the two ladies. Oh, gosh. Oy. And I'm letting myself in for this. <laughs> After Jeremy Paxman show. Oh gosh.